Hello, and welcome to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Let's unpack the relationships that we encounter in our daily lives and learn about what makes them tick. And now your host for Red Rock Relationships, Dr. James B. Stein. Insert punny introduction here. This is Red Rock Relationships, a.k.a. Triple R, and I'm coming to you on a partially cloudy Friday to talk once again about celebrity relationships because we've run out of theories to go over, and so now we need to start applying stuff to the real world. You'll remember that quite some time ago we covered the lore of Taylor Swift and Boy, do we have the exact opposite of that conversation coming up today. Um, We are going to be talking about Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, and cognitive dissonance theory. And to help me do that, I have scavenged for yet another Arizona State University product. Um, Thank you for joining me, Dr. Tara Franks. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk about... Um, this sexy topic, a, a guy I happen to like a whole lot, and a topic that matters even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I should also mention, uh, obligatory, uh, Tara uh, completed her PhD while I was just starting mine, so she's a whole three and a half years smarter than me. So hopefully you can um, opine upon these issues in a way that I simply am not qualified to, but uh, it also just so happens that your area of focus is relevant to the discussion at hand. So I'm hoping we can just kind of open up by you telling us a little bit about your area of focus as a scholar and just sort of your like academic background and lineage, if you would. Absolutely. Sure. Well, again, thank you so much for having me. Um, My name is Dr. Tara Franks, but you can just call me Tara. Um, I'm from Sacramento and in California. And so um, here I sit today. And I started my academic journey at my local community college, Sierra College, where I now teach, which is both fun and nostalgic for a variety of reasons. But from there, I moved on to Sac State, where I got my BA in intercultural communication. And it was mostly because I had a really high interest in dating people that didn't speak English. So that was really where my motivation for that degree came from. Um, Once I graduated with my BA, I wasn't quite ready for a quote unquote real job. So I thought I'd go to grad school (laughs) and I moved to San Diego where I got my master's degree in communication studies, but an emphasis in stand-up comedy. So who knew that you could get a master's degree in stand-up? That doesn't mean I do stand-up. It doesn't mean I'm funny. It means I know a whole lot about it. And so what I loved about learning about the world of stand-up was um, about the audience and performer interaction. But also, I did not encounter as many women as I thought I would. So that's really where my interest in gender um, sort of popped up as I made my way to Arizona State University, where I got my PhD and I graduated with a degree in humor and gender studies. Yeah. And it is, well, first of all, let me just say this. If I'm not mistaken, you were also voted funniest instructor at ASU. So to say that you're not funny is not doing yourself. I mean, you've, you're award-winning humor. <laughs> thank you. Thank so you. just just uh, to clarify that. Yes, thank you so much. Um, most important about that award was the fact that I was the only female nominated with five male instructors. So when they said my name at the end is the winner, I don't know why, but I just had this like 
like I don't know why the Vanga Boys was playing in my head, but that's what was happening for me. Yeah, well, that's that's certainly one way to smash the patriarchy. And speaking of smashing the patriarchy, that is a lot of what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the role that hegemonic patriarchy plays, specifically in not necessarily. I don't want to get too caught up on the logistics of the actual relationship between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard because it's so messy sure. and awful. What I want to yeah, talk gross. about is yeah, right. I want to take a theoretical perspective and the theory that I think best fits is cognitive dissonance. So if we can get into it, um, what is cognitive dissonance theory? It's a term that we throw around a lot, but there is an actual psychological theory behind it. So what is it? And why do you feel like humans are so prone to experiences of cognitive dissonance? Oh my gosh. So first of all, we're, let's talk about what is cognitive dissonance first. And I think it can probably be best understood by giving an example. And that example is I only smoke when I drink or um, I'm going to go ahead and splurge on my diet and have a cheat day, mm. right? Like perhaps some of you can relate to one of those moments where um, buyer's remorse, for example, I really want this thing, but I should be saving my money. So we can actually pull back from that idea of buyer's remorse or a cheat day or um, smoking when we're drinking, for example, and perhaps you don't. Um, but really take a look at what is involved in the cognitive processes in, in the moment, what's going on there. And so cognitive dissonance is an experience, um, of perceived incompatibility among two things. Um, the humorist in me wants to say, for example, imagine that English was your second language and you were reading a menu that had jumbo shrimp, right? Mm. You would look at that and you might be very um, confused what that might mean, right? Oftentimes, though, the cognitive dissonance is experienced in our brains, right, in our minds, when there's an action that does not support our belief. That might be an idea we have, a value we hold, but something that's going on, an attitude cognitively. And then there's a toll that takes place. So there's an action, there's a belief about that action, and those two don't measure up, right? right. That's experienced as stress or discomfort in the brain. And again, thinking about that buyer's remorse, right? That feeling of like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have bought that. Maybe I should go back and return it because you know you should be saving money, but the action that you just performed, which was purchasing, didn't meet that expectation, that value or that goal that you have for yourself. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? We relieve the discomfort because that's gross and it makes our brain hurt and we don't like how that feels and it feels icky and it affects all these things about who we are. So we do that by taking a couple different steps. The first thing we could do is change the behavior and we just never buy that thing again or we never have a cheat day or we never smoke. But let's be real. That's not a very common um, sort of resolution for the discomfort. So what do we often do? We make a justification. No, no, no. I only smoke when I drink. It's not really that big, big of a night or that big of a deal. Right. Or we rationalize. So we say, well, it's only one cigarette and that can't kill you. So who cares? Or we avoid it completely by instead pushing away contradictory information that would in other ways increase our stress around it. And instead adopting or looking for or seeking information that confirms what we just did. Right. So wait a minute. Look, everyone around me is smoking, too, or my best friend is or I'm not the only one who makes last minute purchases. You know, my, my partner does, too. And so 
in doing those things, that rationalizing, that justification, justifying that seeking out affirmation from people around us, we then feel relieved of the guilt or the stress or the pressure for whatever it was that we just, we just created by those dissonant sort of behaviors and actions. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That, no, so the very scary. succinct, very succinct. And I want to focus the most on that last part, the part sure. where when we have the disagreement, we reappraise what's going on and, and, and we, Absolutely. we justify and we excuse because that is so prominent in the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard saga. So again, I don't want to get too caught up on the logistics of it, but to summarize quickly, it was revealed some years ago that Johnny Depp uh, was abusive to his partner, Amber Heard. He was blacklisted. Uh, they canceled his contract with the Pirates of the Caribbean's movie, which honestly net positive, but I digress. Um, he, <laughs> he then proceeded to file a lawsuit against her saying like, no, like I was being abused by her. And there was yep. this big drawn out public trial. It was super invasive. It was very, it had like shades of the OJ trial to it. And there were really embarrassing interactions and videos and statements and testimonies. And at the end of it all, um, they found that both of them defamed each other. <laughs> so the, the court found... Yeah, so basically the court found in favor of Johnny Depp in some areas and, and, and uh, Amber Heard in other areas, big sloppy mess. But to me, from a, from a communication standpoint, the interesting yeah. part comes from the dissonance that we saw in people who like were uh, searching for a reason to support Johnny or searching for a reason to defend Amber. So my... Mm -hmm. My next question for you is kind of like, can you speak perhaps about some of the ways in either uh, specific instances that you noticed or maybe specific explanations that you have for seeing all of these folks, uh, Team Johnny or Team Amber, why and how were they accessing that dissonance uh, to, to craft their shared narratives? Oh. That's a loaded question mm -hmm. if I've ever heard one. Well, and, and maybe we can unpack that a little bit by understanding a little bit more about the reactions, mm -hmm. right? So first of all, we have these parasocial relationships, right? Which are these faux relationships, one-sided relationships with celebrities. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. If you've ever thought, for example, that if you met Jimmy Fallon, he would be your friend, then you know what I'm talking about, right? So you have these sort of ideals around who these actors are, but also you have these sort of, in this particular case, competing narratives about what you believe around abuse, around violence, around um, even in this particular case, what a reversal, right? We know, for example, that men underreport abuses from women in heterosexual relationships at, at about an eight, if not nine to one mm -hmm. ratio. And so here you have a man stepping up and saying, no, actually, I am am a victim as well, which is really counter that sort of status quo narrative around what abuse looks like in a heterosexual relationship. And so you have people who are siding on the hat on, on, on behalf of their beliefs. And then you have people who are siding on behalf of their parasocial or their, um, relationships, their affinities with these particular characters, right? Or right. these, these actors in this way. And, you know, Leon Fessinger, he is the theorist behind cognitive dissonance. And, um, I don't have the quote exactly, but at some point he argued that there are people that inevitably 
resolve their own dissonance by blindly believing anything at all that they can create in their own mind in order to resolve that dissonance. And so here we see that we actually don't have to be innovators of false information. We can turn to social media very quickly to get all types of commentary around what was going on in the trial that supports our beliefs around either the value or the action in whatever way is most prominent. I'm not sure if that sort of helps take a look at it, but, um, but I think it speaks to what was going on with the viewers at the time. No, and I think you're 100% right, especially about the part involving parasocial relationships. You know, uh, folks tend to get invested when they care about the, the, the people on the other side of, in this case, the screen. And so by creating this false relationship, um, with Johnny Depp, with Amber Heard, you've got people on either side of the discussion basically just steadfast defending the way that they thought things ought to go prior mm -hmm. to the trial beginning, as yep. opposed to like actually intaking information and then adjusting one's opinion afterward. And not for nothing, I think this is why so many predominant feminist scholars and activists avoided this conversation because... Oh, Hugely, right? Because we do have an instance of a woman doing harm to a man. And also, that behavior can still exist within hegemonic patriarchal design. Like, those two things are not mutually exclusive. And so, no. from like a gendered perspective, you got to have that conversation with a group of folks who are in bad faith. And who, you know what I mean? So like, uh, that's gonna kind of lead me into the, the next area, which is like the, the quote unquote men's rights activist crowd. That's, that's the term mm -hmm. where I'm, gonna, I'm gonna label them as. And so what I've noticed, and this is my anecdotal experience, but I think it, it, it rings true for a lot of folks. What we've noticed is that a lot of those folks in particular have taken a really hard focus on this particular instance of abuse. Um, and so I just, I have a short little audio clip, Sean, if you wouldn't mind, uh, a short little audio clip that I'd like to play one example of such. So let's, let's take it away. Do you remember the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp case when all the feminists wanted to see Johnny Depp lose everything just for feminism? They, they were rooting for her knowing that she was lying because of feminism. Now that's, the most succinct explanation I could get without advocating for like active violence against women. Sure. <laughs> so uh, that particular streamer goes by the name of Sneeko. Uh, he's in the, very much in like the Andrew Tate camp. And what we've seen with these folks is that it, it became about, well, if Amber Heard can do violence against Johnny Depp, then feminism must be a myth. You know what it reminds me of? When we elected Barack Obama and they were like, oh, racism is canceled now because we have a black president. It's like the yeah. same thing, but gender instead of race. Well, what? and that's why I love what you said earlier about these two things are not mutually exclusive. And mm -hmm. no offense to what was his name? Sneeko or Frico or I don't know what. <laughs> what altruisms are, -o. but, um, 
First of all, you can't chuck up, chalk up all feminism and all values around women's rights to a celebrity case where people were on all sides of the fence and for very good reason. Just because you're rooting for perhaps a celebrity or a character or a, um, you know, a person again in the media, right, that, that you want to see succeed doesn't eradicate decades worth of, of social rights movements and efforts made, um, you know, in, in hopes of providing, you know, equal rights and equal opportunities. So I, I think that that's an interesting conversation aside. Um, I, I think, you know, here's what's interesting about court cases. There's one winner, right? There's a black and a white. There's mm. not a lot of gray. And what we see happening in the conversation around the abuses or the alleged abuses in this particular case had so many gray areas for unpacking and points for conversation because it traversed both planes, right? You're looking at feminism and you're looking at, um, you know, uh, men's rights activism happening at the same exact moment. And we're looking to the nuances and Johnny Depp's facial expressions or sarcastic remarks or um, the way that Amber Heard is walking in or out of the courtroom as support or justification again for some of our confirmation, mm -hmm. right? For some of those biases. And so I, I don't know. I think that, you know, in, in a court case, it's like two sides. You're voting, you're rooting for a team. And so can you, can you root for the Patriots and not love Tom Brady? Can you root for the, the Chiefs and, 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 you know, still understand that maybe they didn't deserve a spot in the Super Bowl? I don't know. <laughs> right. It kind of, it kind of puts all of those things at, at play about how, how in are you? How much of a feminist are you? If you can really stand behind or support some of these things. Right. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I 100% agree because what we see is that in many instances, the individuals who were like so gleefully celebrating the victories that Johnny Depp had in court, these, mm -hmm. these folks appeared to have interests really only in justifying the fantasies of violence that they have toward women and using Amber Heard as a sock puppet in order to do that, right? Like these are people who traditionally do not value women, do not value like, uh, like the autonomy or agency of women, anti-feminists, and their primary uh, uh, beef informs their, you know, their side choosing in, in an issue like this. And so if they can post a TikTok of them pretending to beat up Amber Heard because of what she did to Johnny Depp, is that is that not defeating the purpose? Like you're here to say that women are violent and the only one experiencing violent fantasies at the end of the day is you, you know? Yeah. Uh. Yeah, that is such, such a good point. And, you know, I think that goes a little bit back to the ways in which at the time, right, because we're looking at a theory that was developed decades ago, where we're talking about how individuals walk around in their daily lives selecting and choosing on purpose what they want exposure to that match their state of minds and their perceptions, usually their biases and ways in which they have worldviews or travel about this world, right? So media then becomes, or this trial in particular, becomes in and of itself a confirmation agent, something that supports the efforts of any, all, both 
sides, you know, depending on what it is that you're looking for in this particular case and the way in which you're citing with certain parts of it or jumping on media and participating, right? We know that this is true, for example, if you're looking at political news or, um, you know, like a political debate. But I think with celebrities in particular, there's we have a little bit more of a threshold around what we're willing to, quote unquote, sort of entertain, right, when it comes to pushing back on the status quo or supporting it. Mm, that's such a good point. I, I really do. And, and that's why I wanted to talk about this relationship and like the, the role of gender in it, because it really does. And like, I hate to harp on like the hashtag MRAs, but like I saw some wild conspiracy theories related to Amber Heard. Here's the craziest one. It was a video of her literally picking her nose. <laughs> during yeah. during the trial, she had a like a, a tissue or a hanky or something. She was yep. picking her nose, and they were like, they were like, you know, watch this video. Here's Amber Hood doing coke on the stand while she's testifying. Like, I understand why you would make a video like that, right? Because what you want to assert is that women are in control. She's she's you know pulling the strings. She's snubbing the court and the judicial process in general. You're you're cre you're crafting your villain. She already did a bad thing, and it's known. You know yes. what I mean? And what I really found interesting is that the number of people who asserted that people were defending Amber Heard, I really only saw that coming from the people who were defending Johnny Depp. I did not see that many people clamoring to defend Amber, other than, of course, you know, a, a small group of like sycophantic followers. But other than that, people were like, oh, <laughs> she messed up. Oh, and also Johnny Depp has like a breadcrumb trail of abusive behavior himself dating back decades. Like both of these people have done wrong. Yeah. And it's hard for people to admit that. And I think dissonance plays a really big role in, in, in that, well, you know? Yeah, it absolutely does. Because again, we're talking about a daily lived experience. So we're also pretty good coping agents with dissonance, mm. right? Anytime that we thought, for example, that, you know, we know that we shouldn't go this way because there's more traffic, but we went that way anyway in the hopes that there wasn't. Right. Or that maybe today we would miss it. Right. And then we see ourselves stuck in the middle of traffic and we only have ourselves to blame. And it's like, well, I don't want to walk around feeling shameful all day. I also don't want necessarily the actions of these celebrities to be a mirror for myself, because in what ways are their actions around violence, around abuse, also sort of a place for me to self-reflect on ways in which I've participated yeah. right, in these on some level, right? Maybe not by actively, again, being, you know, a, a, an abuser in one way or another. But also we know that by not participating, by not being an active bystander or standing up in instances or experiences around abuse, that we are participants, right, in the system, right? We hear a lot about this with anti-racist work, right? To simply stand by and say nothing means that you are perpetuating the system. And so I think in a lot of ways, this case became really personal for a lot of folks, not only because it was sort of um, a stab at their parasocial relationships, it was also, um, you know, a, a status quo in your face challenge of your beliefs and values around gender. Yeah. 
right? And gender roles and constancy and normalcy. And, and then we complicate that process even more by holding up mirrors to ourselves and society around abuse and cycles of abuse. And somehow we get to remain distanced from all of that because it's happening with celebrities. Right. Yeah. I think that that's such a good point to hit on. I think you had some people in the Amber Heard camp who was like, I can't admit that Amber Heard was abusive because if I do that, then I might be like giving a point to anti-feminist activists. And then on the other hand, you had people being like, well, if Johnny Depp is vindicated, if he's found to be the victim of defamation, I was right. And therefore I've never done anything wrong and I never have to introspect or question myself again. And it's this like horrible absolutism that really permeates discussions on gender and gendered violence specifically. I could not agree more. And that's why these areas are so gray, Mm -hmm. right? If I give a point to the other team, then what does that mean for me? And now my cognitive dissonance has increased even more. And then if this in any way that we know that media behaves as a space of socialization and reflection for our own intimate relationships, then if this person is getting in trouble for pushing their partner, well, last night I just told my partner to shut up and shove, you know, did a little mm-hmm. shove across the sink. And it's like, uh-oh, wait a minute. In what ways am I participating? Well, I'm not because my relationship is different. Right. We're talking about major abuses here. We're talking about, you know, full-blown, right, you know, mm-hmm. violence, you know, and, and, and we're not we're not looking at it at the ways in which we are perpetuators or contributors or bystanders or advocates, right, or allies, depending on where you stand. Speaking of advocation, next week, we talk about Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Oof. Yeah, so you thought this one was bad? It's going to get a whole lot worse, but unfortunately, we're out of time. So, Tara, thanks so much for joining. Yeah, I hope that that was helpful. What a fun topic for y'all to discuss, and thank you so much for having me. Fun is one word for it, and you certainly made it that. Thank you so much. We will see you all next time to continue this season of Celebrity Relationships. You've been listening to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. If you'd like to be on the show or have questions for us, please send us an email to redrockrelationships at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Red Rock Relationships. Thank you again. And remember, it all begins with good communication. This has been a production from a podcast studio.